0: ECU. Do you breathe purple and gold? Are you ready to hoist the colors? Now, time for the most in-depth look at the world of ECU athletics. Welcome in to Hoist the Colors with your host, Steven Igo on 94.3 the game. Watch the show live on Facebook and at 943TheGame.com. Now, here's your host, Stephen Igo.
1: I welcome into this edition of Hoist the Colors on 94.3 The Game, and it's Thursday, October 26th. I'm back for now. As you can tell with my voice, still not 100% at all, but we're fighting through. Kudos to Philip Pilkington and Scott Rogers for filling in yesterday. I'm gonna try to make it through the next hour. And we are moving up our usual Friday show. We have Joey Football, Joe Sampson with us every Friday. We make our game picks against the spread. We will do that today because Joe's got some family stuff he's got to deal with in a good way. Tomorrow, his family's in town. So, uh, Joey Football, thanks for uh, being back so soon. And uh, thanks for coming on because I know you like to talk. And right now, <laughs> I don't really want to talk hey. all that much. My voice could go kaput at any second, but uh, welcome back. This is the Steven and I go
2: flu game. I want everybody to know at home, this is what true mental toughness looks like. We used to always talk about in the program, you got to be tougher than the entire environment around you. That's what Igo is doing for us today. He's locking it in and making sure to deliver the content everybody's looking for. I'm trying my
1: best. By the way, I like that pen in your hand. It makes you look very sophisticated.
2: That's a Patrick Johnson trick. He used to always tell me when we were doing our uh, one game on Friday Night Rivals. He's like, you have a pen in your hand. For some reason, it always just feels more authentic
1: it does So that's a good look and, there you go uh yeah good look uh philip pilkington he is producing back in the studio i am at home and there we go we got the, the triple box if you're there watching goes. our stream it is uh it's a lot of faces in a small uh small amount of space and i don't know we're all different colors because of different lighting so we got to figure <laughs> that out but uh philip uh, how did yesterday go man i listened to most of the show you guys did well
3: I appreciate it. Uh, Thanks for letting us uh, guest host. I I thought it went well. Uh, We enjoyed it. We had a lot of great uh, participation from the listeners, so it kind of made our job easy. We actually were going to talk a little World Series. Didn't have any time to get to it because of all the comments we had to get to. So thank you to the fans for uh, still tuning in and having a little faith in the B team, uh, Scooter and I, and uh, thanks for all your uh, interaction with us. So it was a good time.
1: Yeah, as always, we are on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, slash X. Let us know. If you got a comment to get to, we're going to make our college picks, our NFL picks, in our upcoming segments. We'll start by talking about East Carolina and UTSA. UTSA is an 18-and-a-half-point favorite. Uh, We'll get a little bit into this matchup. But, Joe, you were at the press conferences last night. We talked to Mike Houston, Donnie Kirkpatrick, Blake Harrell. I was not able to make it live. I did go back and watch it. Uh, You know, several things kind of stood out to me. Just anything on on your end being there that, you know, kind of really stood out from last night's uh, availability with with the coaches and coordinators?
2: Yeah, it was really – it was an interesting thing because many people talk about it, but you often don't ask the coordinator unless things have gone awry. And that was whether or not they felt an accountability between the two of them to kind of apologize or say that's on me or why, why didn't you pick up the pace. And, and they were both stood there in unison and basically were like, no, we have everybody's back. Like there's no kind of panic in the program. Nobody's pointing fingers. And that was a really good thing to hear. A lot of times when you get into these kind of situations, early in the year, or late in the year, and, and people aren't doing what you were expecting them to do, there's a lot of finger pointing or uh, what we'd call burning down the village. And there's nothing of that. And Coach Houston stood there and was like, "We have a great game plan. We're the same team. We have been. There's there's no difference. There's no kind of rapid expansion to try and be a team we're not going to be." And Harold spoke well about how sometimes offense has bailed defense out in certain situations, and vice versa over years past. So that was really good to hear. Um, Harold's also very into the fact that there's going to be a lot of tempo and there could be a chance to kind of fight to keep some personnel packages that are on the field, off of the field, and do all those different things, so he's prepared in a different way than he did last week because they are expecting one quarterback that's the seventh-year guy, Frank Harris, which, first off, it's an incredible thing to even have to say is seven years what's more wild about it is seven years at the same school and that's really what kind of separates him is he has such an understanding of what UTSA does and we'll get into that a little more later there aren't many things you can throw at him so Harold was kind of like yeah you can't really throw the book at this guy you just kind of have to play him straight up and I think that's going to be a very different thing from what ECU's done in past weeks
1: yes it'll be interesting to see how ECU tries to handle their RPO game and uh, we'll get into that here in a little bit. I-, I thought it was interesting. Donnie Kirkpatrick, you know, talked a lot about the sign-stealing stuff with Michigan. He was asked about it directly and basically said going back to the summer that they had heard Michigan was kind of in that game. And, of course, that's become a bit of a national story. They're going to other, you know, they had, a, I guess, a coach or some unaffiliated with their program go to other uh, venues ahead of the game against Michigan to watch, which is illegal. Obviously, sign-stealing, sign-watching in-game or off-the-TV copy is something that's been going on in college football a long time. Not really against the rules there, but what Michigan was doing is against the rules. also thought it was interesting that he basically said SMU is a professional sign-stealing bunch because that is – he didn't come out and say it, but he said the one game we huddled, we did that because – that team is kind of known, I forget the exact phrase to use, but known as Sign stealers. Well, SMU is the one game ECU huddled. I'm not say I'm not using this as an excuse for why ECU struggled offensively, Joe, but I just thought that mm-hmm. that comment was interesting.
2: It's definitely interesting because when you look at it and you think about it Yeah, that's the only time ECU's huddled, but every single year we've played SMU has been an absolute barn burner of offensive production and offensive fights, whether it was Sonny Dykes was the head coach or the guy before him, and then those types of games are always what you go back and you look at. And you think, okay, maybe there was a little more to this than we thought about. And last year with UCF, people tried to say that we were stealing signs and that there was a whole playbook that went missing and whatnot. I mean, it's part of the game. And uh, Peyton Manning actually used to talk about, it, and he talked about it recently on the Manning Cast, is whatever phrase he would use that showed up in the TV copy, it was gone the next week because that's how deep you're looking to try and get that advantage on an opponent. And what Michigan is accused of doing is disgusting and bad for the game. I mean. If you go there and you're live, you can pick some things up and you can read, hey, if this hand is down or this guy's in this stance, they're going to this or going to that. That's part of it. It's tips and tricks. It's tendencies. That's fine. But when you record it and you're having people kind of pre-scout for you and you do those things not based on the game but actually based on who's calling it, it's disgusting and there's no place for it in the game. And I thought it was interesting. Matt Rule actually brought up the mics in the headsets and the helmets and how that's how it came to be in the NFL, is because it was originally based on the sign stealing they used to do. So I think it's definitely, and Coach K also pointed out this, I think it's coming, but I don't think it's going to be the implementation we think it's going to be as early as we're hoping. I think it's going to take a couple years for them to kind of prove what the difference would be.
1: College sports and especially college football always seems to take a little longer to adjust as opposed to the NFL. But a lot of the times they will implement, you know, what the NFL does. It's just a few years after or several years after. So I agree, it'll happen eventually. We'll see when. All right, ECU, UTSA, let's uh, let's go around the round table. Let's, let's kind of discuss how we're feeling about this game. I'll be honest, guys. Look, I mean, it's our job to talk about the next game on the schedule, but this is the least optimistic of any game to this point. Even when the schedule originally came out, I was like, this is the one probably definite loss that I see. And UTSA hasn't been maybe as elite as I thought they'd be. I picked him as a preseason favorite. But ever since Frank Harris got back and is getting more healthy from his turf toe injury, they have been scoring at will. Their defense up front is very good, which is a major concern for me, given ECU's problems offensively up front. So I just don't like how this game looks on paper. It's an inex- it's an inexperienced team on ECU's end versus an experienced team on UTSA's end. They rarely lose at home. Uh, I just think this is going to be a tough challenge. So, my, my vibe is really low for this game, and, and maybe I'll be wrong, but uh, we'll go around the room. Let's start with Joe.
2: What you brought up is definitely something to consider, and that's going to be the inexperience versus—I mean, most of these UTSA guys have been there for five, six years. And that's a very rare thing in today's college football landscape is that they all stayed. They built the culture. They left two head coaches before Jeff Trailer, and they just stuck it out and stood there and were like, this is UTSA. This is what we're building and this is a team that's gone bowling, I think, three of the last four years, and the only one that didn't might have been the COVID year because I think they didn't wind up accepting an invitation. And when you look at that and you look at Frank Harris and you look at their running backs and you look at their big receiver and then you look at the linebackers and their defensive front, you do get nervous and you get concerned. But also this is one of those games, and I'm not being a homer here, that East Carolina usually is counted out in and they find a way to – play a tight ball game and it winds up being a 31-28 type game and and they cover the spread and we sit here and we talk about what ECU did right, but UTSA's experience, so that's why they pulled it away. But this is one of those games where like I'm leaning towards, it's going to be a lot closer than we anticipate. This is one of those games that you kind of circle on the calendar to prove everybody wrong and ECU's had a lot of things go wrong this season that they need to kind of correct and try and prove against people to, I guess, set the tone correctly for next season. And you don't want to say you're looking ahead to next season yet, but as fans and as uh talking head so to speak we can do that so i think this is the start of how you set the tone for next season
1: philip how you feeling
3: yeah you know it's kind of they fit the mold i would say of a aac team where they score a lot of points they don't defend real real well i think they're like 60 mid 60s in the country in scoring defense um Which, you know, in the past, you like ECU in those type of games. That does not fit the style of ECU right now. And unfortunately, when you have two teams that are different styles and the fact that we stand better chances in low-scoring games, they stand better chances in high-scoring games, it usually goes to the team that's better as to what kind of game gets played. Well, ECU's going to have to score to win this game. And, you know, it's going to be tough to defend Frank Harris. I don't think that, you know... The defense is gonna go out there and let up 40 points. I trust Blake Harrell and I trust, you know, the guys that he puts on the field as well as his staff. But when you look, I mean, this offense is explosive. Frank Harris can do it in a lot of ways. You know, they mentioned it. This kid graduated high school in 2017. This kid is my age and he's playing college quarterback. Coach Mike Houston talked about it on Tuesday when he just talked about how, you know, there's no substitute for experience. And he has seen more reps than maybe any quarterback in the country. He's got a great head on his shoulders. He's a smart kid. And just due to all those reasons, I'm kind of like you, I go, It's like this game doesn't really intrigue me because I hate to say that we don't stand a chance, but kind of feels that way.
1: UTSA is an 18-and-a-half point favorite for a reason. We'll make our game picks here shortly. There are some potential areas that ECU can exploit. If you look at pro football focus, guys, UTSA – Rakes 126 out of 133 teams in special teams grade. So they have struggled overall on special teams. ECU has been inconsistent, but in a game like this, you're probably going to need something on special teams to kind of overcome part of the issue. And coverage, defensive coverage as far as guys, obviously covering people seems pretty self-explanatory, but, uh, you know, uh, playing tight zone coverage, man coverage, etc. UCSA, according to Pro Football Focus, ranks 131st out of 133 teams in college football. So they give up passing plays. Now, they are very good. Somehow, they're very good at pressuring the the quarterback and stopping the run, but they're very bad in coverage. So they've had some busts on the back end. You hope, if you're ECU, that continues. Their offensive line is also pretty weak. They grayed out pretty poorly in pass pro and and in run blocking, similarly to ECU, but the difference is – They've got such a good quarterback and Frank Harris that he is so smart, he can overcome a lot of that with his decision-making and getting rid of the ball quickly. So, Joe, when you hear all that, does that make you feel a little bit better maybe about ECU uh, hanging around in this game?
2: Yeah, it definitely does. And we've looked at how ECU's kind of been overmatched, and we'll use overmatched as a relative term with what Michigan was doing defensively and offensively and how Marshall's big offensive line was going to handle it and what App State was able to do. And these were all games that – We're a lot closer than the score indicates, and that's going to be what it's going to be for this weekend. If you can keep UTSA into a tight game in the fourth quarter, can you pull it away? And I think, obviously, if you do include where that Harris experience is going to come in, it's going to be the fourth quarter. It's going to be those late-game situations where you can't turn it over. You have to get this first down, and that's where he's going to kind of win the game for them and pull them out of that hole. But I think this game's going to be a lot closer than what people are envisioning, and I know I've I've sat up here and I've said some things that people are like, well, he's just being a homer, but I I picked against him last week. I thought it was going to be a tight one. I thought Charlotte was going to be one of those things, and yeah, I picked ECU to win, but I knew it would be close. So I say the same thing this weekend because I think this is one of those years where UTSA is a lot better than their record kind of indicates, but ECU's record isn't really showing the kind of football they play for three quarters. So if you can keep them into a tight game going into the fourth, it can be a very different Ball game than what people are thinking.
1: Uh, he is Joe Sampson. I'm Stephen Igo, Philip Pilkington producing. Let's get our first break in. We will come back. We'll make our college picks, including ECU UTSA. Also, want to share how great we did across the board on picks last week. We are surging in the right direction as a collective unit. We also got to get our Anson belt and buckle locks of the weekend, as we usually do that on Friday, but we'll do that on today's show. So Stay with us. We'll be right back on a Thursday edition of Hoist the Colors. what's
0: happening, man? What's happening? Tell me what's happening. Every ECU fan's one stop for all things ECU athletics. This is Hoist the Colors with Steve and I go on 94.3 The Game. All
1: right. Welcome back into this Thursday, October 26th edition of HTC. We are doing our game picks a day early uh, because Joe Sampson's got some stuff he's got to take care of tomorrow, so we're doing this on a Thursday. We're scheduled to be joined by Kaysen Romaley tomorrow. We will talk um, We'll talk more basketball tomorrow. Kaysen is our basketball insider on Hoist the Colors, so we'll do that. We're trying to connect with Mark Yellock as well. So we'll get him on, if possible, on Friday's show I am playing sick, uh, as you can tell by my voice, but I'm trying my best. And, boys, it is our pick segment. Um, and, uh, Joe, you texted me during the break. Are you rambling enough? You're doing great, man. So just keep it up. Ramble all you want. Keep it up. Uh, you're doing great. I think, uh, by the way, we are – we're, we're experts, guys. I just want to let y'all know we are finally experts. We <laughs> each went above 500 last week against the spread. Six and four for me, six and four for Joe. This is between college and NFL. Eight and two for Phillip as he just continues to dominate. We went a combined 20 and 10 against the spread, guys. We've made it. What do y'all we think? That's, that's what we needed. You know, it's not about how you start, fellas, it's about how you finish.
3: I agree, but we're midway through the season. I don't want to get too confident. And, and especially nah. after an eight and two week, I got to stay humble, got to keep <laughs> it going. Um, you know, got to believe in my teams. We are who they thought they were. And I uh, still got to finish strong, baby. We're only halfway through. So long way to go.
1: Philip, I feel like you're just trying not to jinx yourself because you have led this thing basically from start to now. You're 43, 34 and four against the spread overall this year. I'm 38, 39, and four. Joe, 34, 43, and four. But he, you know, he's done very well. Interestingly enough, he was our pro guy until this past week. Then he went five and zero in college, one and four in NFL. So I don't know what you are, Joe. I I went back to school. That's what happened. Okay. Either way, we're all trending the right direction. So, Philip, this is yours to lose, man. I feel like you're just trying not to blow it at this point.
3: Yeah, that's all it is. You know, you've got to. uh, Where's my camera here? Yeah, you just got to uh not jinx yourself. Like you said, that's what I'm trying to do is not jinx myself, but it it's definitely mine to lose at this point. And uh, that's kinda of why, I like I always go last in the segments. Now I might just start picking what you guys pick and uh, you know, trying to And hedging just, it. Yeah, hedging my bets. Now that I said that I was gonna probably make me go first. But you know, hey, it is what it is.
1: <laughs>
2: hey, my head last My head coach in high school used to say, Philip, last minute in line ain't hungry enough to eat.
3: Fair enough. So fair enough. There you go.
2: Sometimes you got to get to the front. You do.
1: Yeah, I mean, we usually let Phillip go last. Is that a strategic decision that's paying off for him? Do we need to rethink things?
2: Might be, man. I have to go to the bulletin board on this one. All
1: right, boys, let's get into our picks. This week, we usually do five and five. For some reason, I wrote down six. So I just said, you know, we'll just go with it. We'll pick six college games. We'll pick five NFL games. This segment will be college. Oklahoma is at Kansas, I think this is a 12 noon kickoff. And I'm just gonna say it guys, Oklahoma is due for a loss. I think it happens this week. I think Kansas definitely covers the 10 and I think they might win outright. So give me the Jayhawks. Don't think their quarterback's coming back, but I just have a feeling, uh, Lance Leopold. I don't even know how to say his name, but I feel like he's gonna get this done. He's a great coach and I'm going Kansas, Uh, Joe.
2: I agree. And it's not often I would pick against a big favorite like Oklahoma. But we have to look at what happened last weekend. And Oklahoma almost lost it real quick against UCF and what would have been their first Big 12 victory. So I don't know if Oklahoma is what we think they are. And I think Kansas is a lot better than people want to give them credit for. So I take the Jayhawks at home as well. I would also lean outright. I really don't think it's going to be one of those things where it comes down to that last-second cover. I think the Jayhawks are in control for a long time.
3: Philip, um, I think this might be one of those where Vegas is trying to bait you guys into taking the Jayhawks, and uh, I think they're going to win some money on you guys. I think Oklahoma, I think they kind of get it figured out a few weeks ago in the uh, Red River, whatever we're supposed to call it now, showdown. I guess we're not supposed to call it a shootout Shoot anymore. I thought we weren't supposed to call it that anymore. I don't even know what the hell they call, call it. I don't it know. What I want. But, anyways, um, I I think they kind of got it figured out. Then, yeah, last week was rough, but you know UCF is still hungry. They've been hanging in every game. They just unfortunately haven't been able to come out on top. So uh, I'm going to go with the uh, Boomer
1: Sooner. I did see UCF and the Fighting Jairus Wilsons. They are a seven point favorite against West Virginia, despite being 0 and four in Big 12 play. So that's interesting. We'll see what happens there we're not picking that game i just I just thought it was interesting um all right georgia against florida are we allowed to call this still the world's largest outdoor cocktail party or is that is I that I think that's still appropriate as well that's what i okay. would call it i mean that's what we're calling it uh, they are meeting in jacksonville georgia is a 14 and a half point favorite against the gators the gators are 5 and 2 i believe georgia undefeated Georgia fourteen and a half. Uh, we let's say what. Let's mix it up here. Let's start with Philip. Hmm.
3: I see. I like the strategy there. I go. Let me uh, hang on. All right. Yeah. No, I like your strategy, but um, Georgia is like one in seven or some crap like that this year against the spread. They're not very good. Uh, Florida's been getting up for big games. Is such an important game to them. It's a rivalry game. I think two touchdowns is just a little bit too many, so I'm going to go with the Gators.
1: All right, Joe.
2: If it was 13-and-a-half, I could maybe make the case for it, but 14 and a half means you either have to go for two on one of those touchdowns or you got to kick another field goal, which essentially makes it a three score game, which is almost impossible to cover. And every single time I have picked the dogs this season, I have been burned, which is why I'm taking Sunbelt Billy and the Gators to cover in the world's largest outdoor cocktail party.
1: Georgia, or excuse me, Florida coming off a bye and. I'm just looking at their schedule, guys. I just I'm not sold on this team at all. I, they did beat Tennessee, but I don't really know how good Tennessee is. I'm
2: not sold on Georgia.
1: I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Georgia. I think Georgia romps. I think they. Uh, I think they win by twenty. I, I want to so point give out me the the dogs.
2: We said the same thing when they played Auburn. I just want to point that out.
1: I think we, we kept picking them, and then they finally did it to Kentucky, though. At least That's I know true. I picked them against Kentucky, yeah, and they finally killed Kentucky. So, But, yeah, you just don't know what Georgia – I feel like Georgia's just going through the motions. It's just a matter of what Georgia shows up. Mm. I wouldn't be surprised so. if we'll they see.
3: blow this one. I mean, I don't think they're going to lose, but if they're going to blow one, this would be it.
1: You think Billy Napier's got it in him? Sunbelt Billy, baby.
3: Probably not, but, you know. We're not talking about Florida coming the out there way, and stealing it. We're talking about Georgia blowing it. Total different conversation.
1: Georgia. Georgia also coming off a of bye, so both teams off a of bye. Give me the dogs. All right. Next game is East Carolina. The Pirates are going to San Antonio. They're going to take on UTSA. They're an 18-and-a-half point favorite. I, I, I kind of am with you, Joe. Like I feel like this game is going to be close for a lot of the game. The problem is I feel like eventually, just like the last few games, it's going to get away from ECU in the the latter stages because they can't score enough points. And I think UTSA pulls away at the end. I think it's going to be one of those games where it's like 17, 14, and then all of a sudden the fourth quarter happens and it's like 34, 17, or 34, 14. So I think UTSA covers the 18 and a half. I just don't think ECU can score enough points right now. Uh, And I think UTSA finds a way to cover. Joe?
2: You know, those are very good points. And I would believe it if we didn't have Blake Harrell calling the ECU defense and limiting every possible offensive team to what they need to do. He held the number two team in the nation, stealing signals or not, to 30 points, and 14 of them were at halftime. This is not a defense that goes through the motions and doesn't show up. This is a defense that causes chaos, creates turnovers. is going to force Frank Harris to do something stupid we haven't seen him do in several years. A- another dumb mistake because he saw ghosts. I think it's one of those games where it really is a lot closer than we think it is. I don't like 18.5 at all, which is why I'm taking the fighting Donnie Kirkpatricks for the East Carolina Pirates. And that's where I think the difference is going to be, Igo I think it's going to be that the offense wakes up and finds a way to match the production of what the other teams are going to do.
1: Uh Philip.
3: Yeah, I'm I'm kind of a joe on this one. It's just it seems like and Joe and I were kind of talking about during the break that this team has really played to their competition this year and that's been unfortunate when they've played, you know, Charlotte and whatever other crap team we lost to was at Rice. But um, Rice, SMU. Yeah. No, I, I'm still on the SMU. I'm drinking the Kool-Aid with SMU. I was doing it at the beginning of the year. I still am. But, you know, we kind of talked about it. They, they really did play well against App for three quarters. They played well against Marshall for three quarters. Michigan's probably the most complete game they've played all year. And uh, I think they do just enough to hang around. I think it's one of those, like – type games where it's one of those where you actually feel like you might pull off the upset and they deliver a dagger at the last second. So I do think we lose but I am picking the Pirates to cover. All
1: right, Joe was talking and his his screen went to black which is not a good sign for the Pirates as he was uh, was making the argument for ECU to cover. Uh, Oregon is a six and a half point favorite going to Utah and I believe Cam Rising is basically going to miss the year that's been finalized at this point. Yeah, finalized.
2: came out and said it.
1: Okay, so Utah is Utah. They don't give up a lot of points. Oregon scores a lot of points. Let's start with with Philip here. Let's go back reverse order. This this should be a good game. Uh, Oregon is a a six-and-a-half-point favorite on the road.
3: Yeah, um, this one's weird. The Pac-12 is so tough to pick. I think it's the conference that we've all really struggled with the most this year. But um, Utah's been doing it for a while without Cam rising now. Um, I like them at home. I, I know it's, it's probably a dumb pick, but I'm, I'm going to go with the Utes. Uh, the, that place is rocking. And We saw they played Florida the first game of the season. It was a weeknight game, and I think it was like a 7 o'clock kick for us, so it was a 5 o'clock kick for them. And that place was packed. They were going nuts. And uh, they've been a good football team. home. Like you said, the defense is going to stun Oregon a little bit early and uh, I think it's going to allow them to at least cover in
1: this one. Joseph.
2: If I'm not mistaken, I believe game day is also in Utah, which is its own – circus to follow and you play off that energy when you do it because there's only three things out in Utah I go soda mountains and football which is why I take Utah I don't think Oregon can go into hostile territory and take care of business we've yet to see them play a complete game on the road and I think we see another kind of game this week where they fall apart in the fourth they could squeak out a three-point win but I don't like the spread for
1: them give me the Utes yeah, I like I I'm, I'm with you. Even if Utah doesn't win, I see this being a close game. Mm-hmm. So I'll take six and a half all day. I'm going Utah, and uh, I feel pretty good about it. Uh, Road Bo Nix, we know he's inconsistent, so I'm going Utah. We're all on the Utes. All right, Duke is at Louisville. Louisville is a four point favorite in an unlikely top twenty five matchup. Riley Leonard, let's let's go to our Duke expert uh, Philip right. Pilkington. What is the latest on Riley Leonard? Is he hurt. Like he played last week, but he didn't look to be 100%. So what's the latest there?
3: Well, he played last week, and then he re-injured that same ankle. And when he did, the Duke offense just fell apart. That's what allowed Florida State to cover. I think had he stayed healthy in that game, Duke still would have lost the football game, but they definitely would have covered. And I'm not 100% sure about Riley Leonard. If he does play, he's not going to be 100%. And he played decent, but he's such a mobile quarterback, and I think that Duke is a 21st century football team, and what I mean by that is they live and die by the production of their quarterback. They, uh, Not that it's not a good roster, you know, one to 105 or how many other guys are on the team, but when the quarterback isn't playing well, they haven't played well. Um, they've picked him up in a few games, but he's at least been healthy in those games that they've had to pick him up in. And uh, he's not going to be 100% for this game. I think Louisville wins it outright. I think it's close. Um, but I, I got Louisville by like a touchdown, maybe 10 points, so I'm going to get the Cardinals to cover in this one.
1: Joe, what do you think?
2: I think the same thing. And when I say that, it's difficult to try and put it into words how much Riley Leonard means for the Blue Devils. But the Cardinals play well. And they play well often this year. And we saw what they did to Notre Dame. They took an offense that looked like it was unstoppable the two weeks before they went into Louisville and just was stifled. I mean, Hartman threw, I think, two interceptions. It was a fumble. Just bad ball. And when you can do that and force those opponents into getting the sets they don't want to do or the things that weren't in their game plan, you win before you can even step on the field. So the Louisville home field advantage kicks off. I take the fighting Jack Harlow's. I don't think it's close. I take Louisville outright and with the spread.
1: Louisville off a bye and off a loss the loss to Pittsburgh their first of the year So I think they come back motivated. I think too with the Riley littered injury Duke not the same team. So Louisville at home. I'm going Cardinals Clemson is at NC State Clemson has three losses already guys. They are still a 10-point favorite at NC State uh, this game we shouldn't have picked this game. This was my mistake. Yeah, can uh, I was uh, about to say, lose. why are we
3: doing this? Both these teams <laughs> both are so bad. Moving on. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I don't even know what to do.
1: Uh, should we just, like, cancel this game and not pick <laughs>
3: it? Can't. We did have six. Yeah, we did have six. So, So there we go. It's up to you. Right, it's your call of it.
1: It's yeah. I mean, your show.
3: Trust me, because when I looked at it, I was like, really do I have to pick this game? I don't know what's going to happen. I don't think anybody I don't want to pick it. this game. They both I suck. wish
2: I could pick against both of them. Yeah,
3: I think they both <laughs> lose by 40. You heard it here first. There. Hanson Belt and Buckle Lock of the Week. <laughs> first ever <laughs> double loss. They both lost. lose by 40.
1: <laughs> we are canceling this game. The refs win. That's my mistake, guys. The uh, Clemson-LSU game, or excuse me, Clemson-NC State game, if you want to watch it, enjoy that. Uh, let's instead answer this question from John Moody before our break. There's always that one team every year that starts 1-5, he says, and finishes 6-6. Six and six. Uh, They're usually from some conference like the MAC, but why not us? Why not ECU, Joe?
2: Hey, I, I'd be the first one to tell you why ECU. This is a team that's only – kind of putting together better performances and I know the offense is what people are going to raise pitchforks for and try and burn down the gate but the defense keeps you in games and if you can find a way to stop them for 10 points and win with 13 it doesn't matter how many wins you have at the end of the season by three points it matters how many wins you have and there's no reason they can't do that especially with the schedule coming up
1: all right so the Pirates are going to finish six and six you heard it here first I tell you what if they beat UTSA on the road I mean, at that point, you got they momentum. can beat anybody on the schedule. Yeah. I mean, obviously Tulane's going to be a beast, but you can win that game at home. So, I like, I'm not counting on it, but, I, you know, never say never. It's not a they can find a way to score points. Yeah, if they find a way to score points, they can do it. All right, let's get a break here. We'll come back. We'll pick NFL games. We'll continue to laugh at NC State and Clemson because we can only laugh at teams this year and laugh with them because ECU is uh, struggling as well. But we'll uh, continue that conversation on the other side. This is Hoist the Colors on a Thursday. We'll be right back.
0: Everything you need to know in the world of ECU athletics. This is Hoist the Colors with Stephen go on 94.3 The Game.
1: All right, welcome back in to this Thursday, October 26th edition of Hoist the Colors. It is uh, good to be back and uh, looking forward to making some more picks here shortly we just made our college picks we're now going to make our nfl picks here in a second we first got as i see uh i tell you what we see joe sampson he's got on his uh, new york jets attire the bucket hat the sunglasses all gas no break jets coming off a bye joe you got to be amped up
2: right i'm fired up I mean, if there was a way for me to have picked the Jets on the bye week, I would have. And guess what? They won the bye week, which isn't something you can often do, I go. The Dolphins lose. The Bills lose. The Patriots find a way to make the Bills look worse than we did. The Jets won the bye week, and the Jets have continued to do things to put themselves in a position to run the table.
1: I tell you what, your energy goes up a million degrees when you put on that attire. Yeah, you think and, this uh, is good,
3: huh? But he might bang his head into a wall again. It wouldn't surprise hey, me. Fired up. Just don't break any of our walls. I want Henry bad I don't want to hit me to have to like him to land in Raleigh, come back from New York to a text. <laughs> uh, Joe broke our walls.
1: <laughs> we got yeah, a few bad. comments, guys, on YouTube. We'll get to before NFL picks. Uh, John, we were talking about. Hey, hey, can ECU be the team that goes from one and six to six and six? John says, pull off the upset at UTSA play up to a ranked lane team and win, win at FAU, grind out a 16-13 win at Navy, and then come home to grab the sixth win versus Tulsa, who will have a losing record. John, I, look, I love the optimism, man. I would love nothing more than for that to happen because right now, as the team's beat writer, I am struggling to write stuff because it's this the same story all year. So I could use some wins. The fans could use some wins. Um. We'll see what happens Saturday. I'm not as optimistic, but, hey, there's a path. ECU is still mathematically alive. I love the optimism. Uh, John Decker, golf instruction, uh, also says he just listened to Donnie Kirkpatrick's press conference. Has anyone asked Houston or DK about Jeter? I would love to see him get some experience. Uh, Mike Houston was asked Tuesday about Raheem Jeter and said basically that they do intend to play him more at some point. I don't know when or how uh but your thoughts there joe before we get into our picks i, I think we'll see him some down the stretch mm-hmm. i don't know if now is the right time but i think eventually
2: we've we've talked about it some and the thing with that is if you go back and you watch him for what he did in campbell or not campbell against gardner webb excuse me it was last year um and what he was able to do and how he kind of settled in it's a very different thing than what you've kind of expected out of a guy like him who's so dynamic as an athlete, he was just kind of handing the ball off playing point guard more than trying to make plays. And I think if you get to the point where you lose this week and next week you're looking at just four straight games of, of trying to find out what you have, you go to Jeter a lot more than you would anticipate because at the end of the day you need to know what you have with him because you didn't know what you had with Flynn and Garcia. Garcia had one start prior to this. Flynn had never thrown a college pass prior to the season. That's what you need to do. So I think It's a God-forbid scenario, obviously. You hope the Pirates can pull it out. You hope we go on this miraculous run, and Mike Houston looks at me in the presser before the bowl game and tells me to go fly a kite because I'm looking forward to it, Mike. The difference is if you lose this week, you have to see what you have for the future, and I think that's what he was trying to allude to without saying it.
1: Good thoughts there. All right, let's get on to our NFL picks. The New York Jets are taking on the Giants at MetLife Stadium. I guess the Giants get to claim the home team here, Joe. What is the the situation with this?
2: I think it's difficult to look at. Anytime you share a stadium like that, we've seen it with the Chargers and the Rams. Always one team seems to claim it's their home stadium, the other's using it. But what I do need to remind people is, is this is the house that Zach Wilson built. I mean, there aren't many times... That you stand up here and you get on the table and you fight for somebody who people have hated. This is one of those times. Zach Wilson has outplayed Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones can't outplay Daniel Jones right now. Tyrod Taylor looks like he's back in the retirement home the way he's kind of been playing football. You barely squeak one out against the Commanders who have the most hit quarterback through this many games ever in NFL history. Ever. Ever. And you try and sit here and say this is a Giants home game? No. This is Jets faithful showing up. We saw how excited they were in the preseason when Aaron Rodgers threw one pass to Garrett Wilson for a touchdown in a game that didn't matter. Imagine now when you have a chance to go above 500 and put yourself in the driver's seat to win the division. This is a Jets home game the whole way. I don't care what color we're wearing, I don't care who's got the end zones painted. This is Jets territory, which is why it's the Jets by more than seven, which is why it's my Anson Belt and Buckle lock of the week. The Jets by seven against the Giants. I don't have to hesitate when I say it.
1: The spread is Jets by three. And uh, I think Joe is on record with a Jets prediction. By the way, how can it be that the the house Zach Wilson built when MetLife Stadium was built in 2010 and Zach Wilson was drafted like a year ago?
2: Because sometimes you have to pass on ownership through the deed. It isn't about who built it. It's about who brought it to what it is. And that's what you need to remember, I go. Because if you want to sit here and go, oh yeah, it's the house that Eli Manning built. Eli Manning wasn't Eli Manning for the last years he was in that life. He, he didn't look like Eli Manning. He looked like some kind of combination between Sasquatch and Peyton Manning running back there and just delivering passes to the sideline. So I stand by what I said.
1: Fair enough. Joe on the Jets. I, I guess I'm riding with the Jets too. I mean, this is, this is not, I'll be honest, Joe, this is probably a game that I have zero interest in watching because the Giants are despicable. And as much as I respect the Jets, with Zach Wilson, at quarterback, they're tough to watch. Uh, But I think they find a way to win by more than three. The Giants are are just a weird team, though, man. Like every time I think they're done, they find a way to win a game like this. So that kind of scares me. Uh, Philip, what do you think?
3: Um, I think that Joe will not be wearing his getup next week because – I have an upset pick here. I'm going Giants. Yeah, they looked bad last week, but I think they're still a good football team. I think they got it figured out, and um, I think they're going to beat a Jets team who is not as good as them, 1-53 on the roster.
1: All right, so Phil is on the Giants in the New York robbery. All right, Jaguars are at the Steelers. Guys, how the heck are the Steelers 4-2? I mean, this team is not even good, and yet they keep finding ways to win. I feel like I picked I feel like I picked the Steelers a lot this year and they keep letting me down, but yet they're four and two, so it doesn't make any sense. The Jags have had a good season. They are two and a half point favorites at Pittsburgh. We'll start with Phillip. What do you think?
3: we uh, we gotta go quick here. We're running low on time. I'm going Jags. I think they're a much superior team. I like what this offense is doing. It's dynamic. They got a lot of weapons. Give me the Jags.
1: Joe?
2: Give me the fence. I think Kenny Pickett is playing a lot better than we thought he was going to going into this year. Mike Tomlin still finds a way to be competitive no matter what the roster is. And T.J. Watt exists. Give me the Steelers.
1: I'm going Jaguars on the road. I think – I just think they're the better team. And I think the Steelers are going to be exposed. Tight, or excuse me, the Texans are at the Panthers. This is the Panthers' chance to get a win. The Texans are a three-point favorite. It's C.J. Stroud versus Bryce Young. And I'm just going to go ahead and tell you guys, this is my Anson Belt and Buckle Lock of the Week. Lock it in. Panthers get their first win outright. Carolina. Joe.
3: Go ahead, Philip. Tell
2: them.
1: I'm glad that we
3: agree on our Anson Belt and Buckle Lock of the Week. Let's go. go. The reason is Musa Muhammad and Julius Peppers are going into the ring of honor at halftime. The Panthers are going to be playing for them. Everybody is going to keep pounding from kickoff till the final whistle. Panthers Nation, baby, we're getting a win. Give me the Panthers.
1: Joe, take us home.
2: C.J. Stroud teaches you he should have been the first pick. I stood on the table and I said he should have. And this is one of those games, and me and Philip are talking about it, either you lose by 40 or you win by 10. There's no in-between when you play with this kind of emotion, which is why I think it gets to be too much to this young, inex- inexperienced team. Frank Reich doesn't know how to handle it. D'Amico Ryan exposes him. Give me the Texans.
1: By the way, Anson Belt and Buckle Lock of the Week is presented by them. Are you game day ready? Visit com backslash ECU. Check out their great collection of holist belts, including ECU officially licensed belts, Anson Belt and Buckle, the official belt of ECU Athletics. All right, two more games to pick quickly, guys. The Chiefs are at the Broncos. These two teams just played, and now they're playing again. Kansas City is a seven-point favorite. They've won, like, 75 in a row in this series. It, I don't know why I'm doing this, but I'm going Broncos to cover. <laughs> and I honestly have a feeling they might win this game. I mean, eventually you got to you got to get lucky. So I'm going Denver. Uh, Joe.
2: You brought up that they just played each other, and I think that's going to come back to bite you because, yes, the Chiefs have played – Lesser competition, I guess is the best way to put it, since that run-in. But they're only getting better, and their offense is starting to click. Travis Kelsey had 129 yards on 12 catches, and that wasn't including what they were able to do in the run game with Pacheco. I'd take the Chiefs. I'm sorry. This has to be against the Constitution to just keep cruel and unusual punishment for you at this point, but it's going to be the Chiefs again.
1: Phil?
3: Give me uh, Taylor's boyfriend and the Chiefs fighting
2: Taylor's boyfriend. I really hope Taylor
1: Swift is in mile high so she can witness the loss of her beloved Travis Kelsey. By the way, sorry to
2: interrupt
3: you. I was looking at the camera a second ago and forgot to type in who you guys picked for Jacksonville and Pittsburgh. Who would you guys pick?
2: I have the fence. I have the Steelers. Okay. Jaguars. Uh, That's what I
3: thought. wanted to be sure. Thanks.
1: All right, Bengals at Niners. Final game. Niners are a a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Sounds like Debo could miss some more time. Uh, and Brock Purdy didn't practice due to concussions, so I don't know what his status is going to be. The Bengals are a weird team. The Niners are a three-and-a-half-point favorite at home. I don't really have a good feel for this game, but I'm just going to pick the Niners because I feel like they're due to bounce back after two losses in a row. Uh, Joe?
2: You're also forgetting who's starting at quarterback for the Niners, I go. Mononucleosis legend Sam Darnold is starting for the 49ers. I give it to the Niners as well. I don't think the Bengals are able to kind of capitalize on the mistakes that the Niners have been making like other teams have. I think it's going to be one of those that just pull away and stay in the driver's seat the whole time. Give me the Niners.
3: Um, Phil. I'm, going to, I'm going to make it three in a row. I, or I do not think they lose three in a row, so I'm going to make it three straight Niners picks. Give me San Francisco.
1: All right, there you go. There's our picks for Week 8 in the NFL and Week 9 in college football. Let's get our final break in. We'll come back. We'll have closing thoughts wrap up the show. This is Hoist the Colors on a Thursday.
0: We're live with Steven Igo on 94.3 The Game. Hoist the Johnny Roger. Now back to Hoist the Colors. All right, welcome
1: back in. A few minutes left on this edition of the show appreciate joe sampson philip Pilkington today and uh guys we don't have much time left today we sit here we're 10 days away from east carolina basketball starting and my question to you both is will you be in mingy's coliseum for the season opener on monday november 6th against fairham college will you be there
3: um some, one of us has to be back yeah, here producing a, the game from my so, director of sports. Yeah, we got to figure out who's producing the game. The other two, at, between Joe, myself, and Dom, I would say two of us will be there, and one of us will be hanging out back here. So
2: somebody yeah. from Hoist the Colors will be in attendance. That's what that means.
3: Yeah.
1: It sounds like you're both trying to find a way out. No, we're trying. To, we're trying, trying to talk.
3: Right. We're, we're trying Tom, to find a way to get over in. here in the corner. Into we, uh, we need somebody else to yeah, take over producing. so we can go. <laughs>
1: Fair
2: enough. So we can. However, all stand Dom shirtless. has been
3: producing every football game. Dom needs to go to some sporting event. Four guys have been producing. Philip,
2: all three of us shirtless, HTC painted on our chests in the Minji's Maniac student section.
3: I think Grady will take our media passes away <laughs> for that. But okay, that's what you want to do <laughs> immediately.
1: Hey, at least we would get better seats. Uh, this is that, true. You know, if we go shirtless and sit in the student section, we'll have better. We'll have a better view of the court as opposed to the, the top of the section two thirteen. I mean, that is the true crow's nest up there, uh, the media perch in the corner. But I'm excited for hoops, excited for football. Joey, one big key, how can ECU win this game Saturday, turn their season around?
2: you got to stop Frank Harris from getting outside the pocket. Keep him in, force him to make contested passes, and you'll win.
1: There you go. Words of wisdom from Joey and his pen. I tell you what, I feel a lot smarter when I I'm put telling this fin, you, pin that right you just right the feel camera. Good. I mean, it's just like right there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Appreciate you guys. Thanks, Joey. Thanks, Philip. Thanks for the comments as well. We made it through the hour. As painful as it was for my throat, I made it. Try to be back tomorrow as well. We'll have Case and Romaley from Oyster Colors. We'll talk a lot of hoops as we close in on tip-off and uh, get you ready for that. All right, we'll see you tomorrow at 12 noon. Hoist the Colors, thanks for being along with us.
0: This has been Hoist the Colors with your host, Stephen Igo. Tune in weekdays at noon for all things ECU sports. Get a recap of the show at 94.3thegame.com, on Twitter, Facebook, or anywhere you get your podcasts. We're back tomorrow with more of Hoist the Colors on 94.3 The Game.